Hi, I'm Kes Sotalif, and welcome to Margins and Memorations, the podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please share it with your friends. As I don't have social media, this is the best way for people to find out about me. And if you'd like to know more about my work, you can check out otterleaf.com, otter, like the animal, L-I-E-F-F-E, and you can support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash otterleaf. Last year, Anya and I released Queer Plants and Friends, another zine in our Queer Ecology coloring book series, full of Anya's beautiful illustrations. In this cosy chat, we geek out about plants and queerness, we discuss how Anya is bringing community, healing and drawing together, and we get excited about some of our upcoming collaborations. After completing a PhD in plant ecology, Anya van Heert has been part of many ecological projects and adventures, including growing herbs at an urban farm in their hometown of Brussels. They currently live on a farm in the southwest of Scotland with their partner Emma and lots of non-human friends. Find out more at pinprimrose.co.uk. So we just released our gorgeous new Queer Plants and Friends colouring zine, uh, following the Queer Animals colouring zine. And in both of these zines, Anya did all the illustrations, which are just completely gorgeous. And we must have released it a few months ago. We've already been selling really well, giving lots of donations to Solidarity Apothecary. There was a fundraising breathwork event evening. It's been all go in queer plants world. And um, yeah, you're the, the plant one of the two of us. How, <laughs> how have you been feeling about this new zine in the series? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy we did it. <laughs> we made the zine. Um, I'm glad that people like it and that um, it's finding its way. Hmm. How was illustrating the plant zine compared to the animal zine? Um, for me, it, like there were a couple of uh, plants that were a bit more emotionally challenging um i think compared to any of the animals um because i I feel like i i know them quite well and that it was really difficult to get it right Mm. and so um i think on my part there was quite some procrastination on certain plants um yeah, compared to the animals scene. So because you know them better, you wanted to get them more right, or you knew that you weren't getting it right more than a giraffe, that you haven't seen many giraffes, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> Which plants were they that were more challenging? Definitely the primrose was quite challenging. Um, and things like violet I found quite challenging as well um, and I have redone a couple of times and like the violet for example is one that I've changed like just before like calling it final mm. I've changed it many many times yeah I guess I have the same with writing there's some that I 
maybe know their story more intimately. So I just spent a lot of time trying to get it really accurate and kind of express some of the feelings they have about their stories. Whereas some of them, I'm just like, I've never met this bird. Don't really know anything about them. This is a story that I've coupled together with some bits of research. And there's nothing, there isn't quite the same connection of like trying to get it really, I'm still trying to get it correct according to the research, but I don't really know them very well. Whereas if it's a story that I know really well, I want to like, I don't know, the Nemo story or something. It's there's it's already been told a few times. I want to like tell it in a new way. I want to get it right. I don't know clownfish very intimately, but I know the story. So there were definitely, yeah, I have different relationships to different profiles somehow when I'm writing them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I feel that I had a little bit less with the plants and I don't know why. Um, which I definitely have a lot with the animals, is that kind of moment in an illustration where you're really pulled to it and kind of... I get a little bit obsessed by the image and like really like it at some point. Um, and somehow with the plants I didn't really have that and I don't, don't know why. Hmm. Yeah, I was always imagining like, hmm, are you going to be like more into drawing the plants or will it be more difficult it sounds like it's a bit of both i think a bit of both definitely yeah um i would not say <laughs> that the plants were easier than the animals mm. um and of course like the plants came a bit later in kind of my journey with making those images so um i think i already kind of learned a lot of the tricks and the mm. ways of doing things um, with the plants compared to in the beginning with the animals. Um, so I don't know, maybe it's a matter of getting used to it as well, like used to the magic. <laughs> Makes sense. A little bit of like uh, desensitization of how amazing it can be, mm. maybe. <laughs> I also found it uh, a different challenge writing the profiles for the queer plants and friends. Uh, and the format's quite different. So there's like an introduction to queer fungi and then like not so many individual profile uh, species profiles, which makes sense because fungi in, in their generalness are very queer. Uh, and it's quite hard to kind of make a story out of specific species uh apart from a few that we did but it was yeah it's quite different to animals which i think people are like more uh i don't know aware of or like the profiles were just like were easier to write as like a species rather than like a whole group um so it's also just yeah quite different between the two zines i really enjoyed the challenge yeah i guess with animals it's it's a bit more the parallel is is easier to draw between an animal and a human being and what we understand as being queer true that makes a lot of sense um but yeah do you want to tell us something about why plants are queer why we made a whole zine about plant queerness um yes of course all right so if we think about um the plants that have a very similar kind of organization as um, 
we can see in the animal world of having a male individual, a female individual, and um, to reproduce, they have sex and, and make offspring. Um, plants have that uh, kind of organization as well, but we only see it in five percent, five to six percent of all species, and all the rest has something else going on. Um, and all that else can be basically considered a little bit queer, uh, or a lot queer in many in many uh, examples. Um, and something else that I think kind of again draws that parallel between the queer communities and plant communities is that there is a lot of interdependence, a lot of um, stages in the life of a plant are dependent on other plants, are dependent on animals, um, the elements, the wind, the water, the air, all that kind of thing. Um, and that can be, for example, for uh, pollination, so moving pollen to um, the stamen of, an, of another flower, or the same flower even. Um, and that can also be, for example, for um, moving seed um, after the seed has been produced by the plant. So I think that is quite cool and very queer. Um, and so as I already said, those like 95% of the other plants that are a little bit queer, they actually have quite complex reproductive systems and they can also uh, reproduce vegetatively. So without any mixing of genes, just making a clone of yourself, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, plants genetics is incredibly complex. Um, there, there are more examples of hybridization in plants compared to animals, uh, which basically means that you kind of like are able to make offspring with very related species. So, yeah, you, in that case, you don't even limit yourself by the, by the boundaries of your own species, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and something that I think is, again, like, drawing that parallel, it's, it's you know, those things are up for debate, but what I also find pretty queer about plants is their ability to um, be, how do you say that, like have phenotypic plasticity, so be very adaptable to their environment, um, change their appearance um, according to their environment, and like the typical example, and the example that is also in the zine is um, a tree that kind of grows around a fence or, um, you know, it can be anything, but um, so maybe something more subtle is like 
the appearance of a dandelion leaf changes uh, when there is a lot of nitrogen in the soil compared to when it's very poor in nitrogen like and that is the truth for a lot of plants as well so it's like that that super adaptability yeah it reminds me of the spider plant that we also put in there um that they reproduce um asexually which are all the little tiny babies that we're always giving away to our friends even if they don't want them also sexually they have flowers once in a blue moon and then also they have phenotypic plasticity because the one that i have on my windowsill and the one you have on your windowsill might be different particularly with like variegation and how much green they have in their leaves depending on how much light they get even though they are asexual clones they're genetically identical but they look completely different just depending on their light condition so they kind of a really nice example for a lot of those things and that's all just super queer (laughs) super complex super yeah um surprising i think for a lot of people and i'm curious how you see this um so for animals it's definitely a part of the story is um oh animals have um let's call it queer uh gender sex and sexualities and we a part of the history of that is like uncovering that um, because it's been covered, it's been hidden, it's been lied about, it's been misrepresented um, in the same way that it has for human queerness. And I'm curious how that looks for plants. Is there um, also this kind of myth-making about like, in general, all plants are like boys or girls and then they make little baby plants and that's how that's what life is for in the way that it is with every mainstream wildlife documentary, or is it more a little bit open to all of these things because we're not really calling it queerness in general, so it's not as, there's not really the, the same myth-making? Well, I think the myth-making is there in the sense that we do actually do call things male and female in mm. the plant world, which makes maybe sense in a broader like perspective of larger and smaller gametes but um apart from that it might be a bit weird um and obviously i think in the scientific world there is a little bit of a detachment from that um kind of very heterosexual way of looking at things just because plants are so different right like if if you if you if you think like okay 95% of or 94% of um plants have um a reproductive system that is different from kind of what we what we think as like the standard <laughs> um it's not much of a standard it's not, percent, right? <laughs> no it's not much of a standard if it's six four or five or two six percent exactly so like but it is still a standard right so people at least non-scientists will still assume that there are boy trees girl trees and they make baby well, trees i assume so yeah right i assume <laughs> what, what people because no botanist is making that assumption everyone's like oh yeah like hermaphrodism is everywhere that's really common that it, yeah exactly i think anyone with a knowledge of plants like the very basic um first lesson in like plant evolution you learn about maybe not the very first lesson but you know you learn about the ferns and the mosses and 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 all those different types of life life cycles 
people who don't know a lot about a lot about plants probably think there is, you know, male female seed. Mm. Yeah, it's quite different, I guess, to um, to animal representation, non-human animal representation, because I don't know how many thousands of hours of wildlife documentaries I've seen, and no one told me that there were gay penguins. And very rarely was it mentioned, I don't know, that like clownfish are sequentially hermaphroditic. I think those things are just, you can know a lot about animals without ever meeting any of that information. Whereas Mm -hmm. with plants, it's like just so fundamental to like understanding anything about plants that you just wouldn't be able to move very far without knowing that a lot of plants will contain like polyny bits and ovary bits and big gametes and small gametes in the same plant at the same time. Yeah. And maybe that's because animals, non-human animals, feel closer to humans, so it's a bit more challenging. I think it's a bit more challenging, and I also don't think that like people, as like even even the people knowing or like you know, um, understanding the fact that you've got, um, you know pollen-producing parts and seed-producing parts in the same flower, they won't kind of draw that parallel to, like, oh, this is a hermaphrodite mm, okay. plant in, in that sense. It's I think it's quite confusing. Um, and there's a lot of bias and, and like, unex- unexplored bias. Um, and, like... Obviously, the animals for sure, but like in the plants, plant world, um, I feel like a lot of ideas have been kind of been absorbed in like, or beliefs have been absorbed in like how how we think about plants that have never been um, examined Mm. very deeply. Mm. Um, yeah, and the last thing I wanted to ask you about is you've been um, combining a whole bunch of different things from different parts of your life. Um, so we were talking earlier about the breathwork event um, that you did recently. So you were bringing breathwork in um, as a fundraiser, raising funds to send copies of the zine to uh, LGBT plus folks in prison through Books Beyond Bars. Each zine also raises funds for Solidarity Apothecary, our friend Nicole, doing amazing revolutionary work. And I'm I'm really enjoying how you're bringing all these things together. And obviously, like, the zine was illustrated, so you did these illustrations, and it was like the breathwork was kind of a queer space. So I love how, like, you're bringing all these strands of different parts of your life and different things that you're passionate about um, in just such a gorgeous way that you can bring all those things together. And I'm curious, like how that's feeling for you? Are there like other ideas of things that you want to thread together? Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I um, I first started doing like, or playing with this idea of um, hosting an online breadwork group um where everyone who participates kind of pays towards sending a copy of that in in the beginning it was the the queer animal scene um to books beyond bars and 
I think after that first session, it was really nice. I, I love I love holding the space for people, and we were able to send a whole lot of copies to to Books Beyond Bar, so that was really amazing. And then I kind of realized, well, actually, I have quite a lot of like people in my friends group and friends of friends group that are making amazing um, works of art <laughs> and you know like books and and scenes and and all of those things um, and so it kind of became a little mission of me to contact everyone and organize one of these kind of fundraisers each month and we've had your books and we've had uh, Yarrow's uh, book about ritual, we've had Nicole's books, um, so now I've been working together with my friend Kate, who is also a breathwork practitioner, and together we are the Queer Breathwork Collective, and I think the idea behind that is, like, both Kate and I are, um, having, like, some help we, we both have health issues, basically, and I think in my case, um, one of the challenges hosting sessions is that I can, I, I can get a migraine <laughs> um, on the day and then I have to kind of push through and take lots of drugs to be able to do it. Um, and the idea behind the collective is that we can, in, if that is the case, we can like ask our mate to fall in for us which um yeah it just it just feels nice to yeah. not be by ourselves with that kind of stuff right yeah i love this idea of having work be collective and that be an anti-ableist like process in itself that you can like show up for each other you can have like changes in capacity you can take care of each other process i think there's something yeah it often doesn't work that way in collective, but when it does, it can be so beautiful and it's just so practical as well. You're just like, there's a backup and mm -hmm. I'm that person's backup and we back each other up. And we just know that that might be a thing that we need rather than just being like all alone running a thing, um, which is an important thing with a lot of responsibility. So it's like really, I don't know, it feels responsible to me to share that and make sure that like, yeah, you're taking care of yourselves as well as like the people that you're taking care of during the sessions. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Very beautiful. Uh, anything else you want to talk, tell us about the queer plants, upcoming queer ecology projects? We have some zines on the in the pipeline as well. We have some zines in the pipeline. Um, I think somehow, I don't know who's more excited about the dinosaur zine. <laughs> pretty sure it's me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty excited about the dinosaurs. Yeah, we're both um, very excited about the dinosaur zine. <laughs> Queer birds and other dinosaurs, it'll be called. Queer birds and other, other dinosaurs. And I think, again, for me, it will be um, it'll be a journey into making the drawings of like animals that we don't really know how they look like mm. uh, and kind of making my own interpretations of that. And I'm looking forward to that and giving them lots of feathers. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it's going to be really cute. I gonna... can't wait to write their profiles. <laughs> 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 it's going to be a lot of uh, artistic license, I guess. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
definitely. And another zine, I think that will be maybe a small like extra zine is a nudie branch special. Yes. Um, just because I want to make some nudie branches, um, why not, right? And then we're working on a book together, which kind of blows my mind as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, for those listening, we're working on a queer ecology book, uh, which will be a non-fiction science book we are scientists we're doing the thing um <laughs> and we're both very intimidated and it's all a bit surreal and we have a lot of imposter syndrome but we're still writing it anyway because we're, we're those kind of people and it's already amazing and i can't wait to get it out in the world it's gonna be really really cute yeah i think i think it's gonna be really really nice um a nice process to kind of go through writing it I've uh, been doing a little bit of research and like honestly the plant world really blows my mind as well <laughs> um, because obviously we've been talking about reproduction and, and stuff like that but there's so much more there's so much more <laughs> um, yeah coming soon coming soon <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thank you if you'd like to learn more about my work, you can find everything at otterleaf.com. I have a monthly newsletter in which I share updates and resources. You can find my novels and colouring books in bookstores and online. You can support my work financially at patreon.com forward slash otterleaf and in other ways at otterleaf.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for listening. music you're listening to is Barista Barista by Tief Garaja.